welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. Today's guest is Dr. Macy P. Smith. Dr. Smith is nationally known for her work on dementia-competent practices and family caregiving matters. Her real-world, unapologetic approach to practical caregiving has been published in national and international professional journals. She's a licensed gerontology social worker and an award-winning Alzheimer's and dementia educator with over 22 years of experience coordinating care for aging and vulnerable populations. She is an advisory board member with Lisa's Care Connection, founded by Emmy Award-winning TV, radio personality, and philanthropist Lisa Gibbons. Dr. Smith is also a best-selling author. Her book, A Dementia Caregiver's Guide to Care, has been featured on Amazon's Top 100 Bestsellers list for several weeks. In addition, Dr. Smith co-hosts a new talk show centered around dementia-friendly conversations entitled Dementia Divas, Caregiving and the Arts. Hi, Dr. Macy. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, Okay, so I know it's been a while since we've spoken, so let's get started. Um, Okay, so you grew up in South Carolina. What was it like for you growing up in South Carolina? Uh, A sense of family. I mean, I grew up in a very rural community. A very small town. Everybody knew everybody, and that means that everybody knew everybody's business mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so, back in those times, it was nothing for somebody else's parent to discipline someone else's child. And so, just growing up, knowing a sense of self, mm-hmm. um, knowing a sense of respect, knowing the value of hard work, um, and appreciating family and community. And how that helps to build your character. I love that. Okay. Um, so, Dr. Smith, or Dr. would you prefer Dr. Macy or Dr. Smith? <laughs> Either is fine. Okay. So, Dr. Macy, you are a licensed gerontology social worker for Synergy Home Care. What mm-hmm. is Synergy Home Care about, and what does your role entail? So, Synergy Home Care provides in-home, non-medical, in-home care for those who need assistance it doesn't matter the age Mm -hmm. but you know they need assistance with any of their activities of daily living they need support with supervision Mm -hmm. transportation to outings or doctor's appointments or what have you it's a private pay Mm -hmm. um, company and seniors and families can actually private pay the company for a caregiver or sitter or whatever moniker you choose to use for someone to come into the home to help the person who's in need of help at that particular time. And so my role with Synergy is to help them develop material, develop programs to help Mm. support the professional caregiving staff that will ultimately help support the family and the person or the folks who are in need. Okay, got it. Were you always interested in this type of work, in social work? Yeah, um, I, I can remember when... I was in school. I I did talk a lot, like a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was, you know, I always had that mark on my report card, talk too much, talk too much. Mm -hmm. But I knew I always wanted to help people who were in need or in vulnerable situations. I I don't have 
any type of traditional talent like singing and dancing and things of that nature. But I was really good at connecting people to resources and to services mm. so that way they could support themselves in whatever means necessary, whatever means necessary. And I didn't know really at the time that that was an actual career path. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I remember when my mom adopted my, my second cousin, the social worker came out to make that whole adoption process seamless. Mm-hmm. And I remember just really sitting there watching her help mm-hmm. us. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. And when I found out that that was an actual major that I could major in and get a degree specifically in social work, uh-huh. that was my path. Ah, I love that even back when you were younger, you were, or you've already been a connector of sorts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like basically connecting services for others, for, for people, um, or right. not even services, but like information and services and trying to find ways to help them out. That's really mm-hmm. awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So were your parents involved in, the, in your community in terms of like, you know, I guess what I'm asking is were they, um, were they also, I guess, in the service community? Were they... Would, did they ever help out in, in soup kitchens or anything that would somehow give you the idea? It's like, okay, I want to help people out. Um, not that I can remember. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom worked a nine to five, Monday through Friday. My daddy had his own business, mm-hmm. a, a car business, and he worked sun up to sundown. You know, when you have your own business, you know, nobody's going to run it like you run it. Yeah. And so I don't even know that they even had time to do that. I just never saw them do that mm-hmm. um, outside of you know, working within the church in the church community right. outside of that, you know, they just, you know, did their work and took, took care of their family, right. raised their kids. And that's what they did on a routine basis. Okay. So you mentioned that you kind of knew when you saw a social worker come to your home, that that was probably the path that could be the path for you as a career. Was that, sort of like an aha moment for you or did you have an aha moment knowing that you know when you actually started working with Synergy Home Care that was it for you? So I I started working with Synergy Home Care uh, 20 years into my career so I probably had several aha moments (laughs) um, prior to uh, landing this particular role that prepared me to to be successful in helping Mm -hmm. for-profit entities Mm -hmm. that actually provide a support service for uh, communities and populations and and families and so there I can't recall a just one aha moment but I, I do know that when I was working with adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, when I realized the power of focusing on a person's strengths Mm -hmm. and their abilities as opposed to their inabilities, how that actually changes the nature of their quality of Mm -hmm. life, how it changes the nature of how they engage with communities. Um, I know I can remember one time when several of my clients um, at this disabilities agency actually went on a cruise mm-hmm. to like Hawaii. And oh, wow. for me, I was like, dang, I've never <laughs> been to Hawaii, you know, and, you know, I don't have a disability, you know, I'm pretty, uh-huh. you know, highly functioning, but 
Uh-huh. That just goes to show you that no matter what your stage in life is or no matter what your age is mm-hmm. and, you know, your circumstances, if you have the proper support for you and people are listening to you and asking you, what do you want for you? And they have a concerted um they make a concerted effort to ensure that your needs are met and that they advocate for you because that's what they were hired to do or that's what they feel in their heart and they so that they need to do. Mm-hmm. Whenever you put the person and their desires first mm-hmm. and support that, then right. individuals at any stage and at any level can achieve, you know, their heart's desire. And so uh, from that point, I mean, I was just even strong, strongly vested in supporting the needs, the wants, and the desires of people who just need a little support. And I want it to be a support mm-hmm. uh, and not a barrier right. to oh, them. I love that. Okay. Um, so I, ha- I read a recent article about you on Medium regarding the topic of how to reduce or eliminate stress when caring for elderly or aging parents. Um why is it important to reduce or eliminate stress when caring for the elderly or, or aging parents? Well, because, you know, if you don't find ways to manage your stressors, stress is a key element in so many of our chronic illnesses and co-occurring mm-hmm. conditions. Mm-hmm. If your stress levels aren't managed in a healthy way, then you as a caregiver may wind up in the hospital or may wind up with a life-limiting illness that might take you out before the person who you're providing care for. So in order to be a support system to someone else, you have to ensure that your vessel is well taken care of, Mm -hmm. you know, that uh, engine is well oiled so that way it can perform well to be able to provide care to someone else. That's why that's the main reason why it's important because you want to be around, Mm-hmm. And that person who you're providing care for wants you to be around. So the best way to do that is to take care of yourself. Okay. So do you yourself have a personal experience with um, people in your life who have dementia or Alzheimer's or anything of that nature? My grandmother did live with a progressive type of dementia, probably the last five, six years of her life. And so being able to, I was an actual, I was actually a distance, a a distant caregiver providing distance caregiving. Mm -hmm. And I was a support for my dad and my sister um, who provided much of the hands-on care. So um, just being able to transition those, the skill set that I developed over the years in my professional career Mm -hmm. to my personal life and to support my family was an experience. Mm. It was at times difficult because I I had to figure out which role I was playing at Mm. any given time. And so I had to be able to to find a nice balance between the two, not necessarily integrating them, but just having a nice balance. Um, and, you know, I oftentimes talk about my grandmama and my experiences and, you know, in my talks and in my keynotes because it makes it more uh, palatable to the mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it makes it much more engaging. Yeah. And it provides a sense of belonging, a sense of hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we want to give those who are in need in general, but especially those who are caring for someone with a debilitating illness. Right. Uh, okay. Thank you for that. You are also an author, and you 
wrote a book called A Dementia Caregiver's Guide to Care. Just ask Dr. Macy, what inspired you to write this book? So uh, over the years when I would do seminars and webinars and talks, I would have not only family caregivers, but professional caregivers and professional staff come to my sessions over and over again. Mm -hmm. But especially for the family caregivers, I felt bad that they had to keep coming back because Mm -hmm. what would happen is they would take away the information and apply it to that situation that day. Mm -hmm. And then as the disease progresses, you know, more changes evolve and they may not be able to remember all that I share because it's a lot of information that I share Mm -hmm. and they will come back to get more information and apply. It'll be the same information, but it's applied at different stages throughout the journey. And so one of the ways I could be a help or support to reduce that barrier Mm -hmm. for them, you know, getting a sitter for their loved one, getting in the car, driving across town or logging into a webinar repeatedly, I Mm -hmm. decided to write a book of frequently asked questions. Mm -hmm. And those questions that I chose for the book, uh, I I intentionally chose those particular questions with those responses because the information can be applied to various situations because the core of the responses are person-centered. And Mm -hmm. so you're able to do that when different situations occur. And that way they wouldn't have to continue to uh, truck across town to receive the information again. Now, not unless they wanted to, but they had a document that they could actually refer back to in the midst of it all. Okay. Um, okay. So do you think that there's more stress for caregivers now um, more than ever as a result of the pandemic and how so? I think so. I think in terms of, um, the caregivers post pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. they were and have always been the backbones to the long-term care system. And so during the pandemic with, with everything shut down, they had to provide 24 hour a day, seven days a week care because they didn't have the level of outside support that they would have typically have had um, for their folks who were already doing the 24 seven care. Mm -hmm you still have a sense of knowing that resources are out there and you can tap into them if you need to, but you didn't need to at the time. And so taking away that, that opportunity for additional support added additional layers of stressors. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but at the same time, I think that our lawmakers and our, our leaders and advocates had a better sense of what caregiving entailed, Mm -hmm. what it was. They, there was a face to it. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, they found themselves in the same situation right. because of the social distancing that was put in place. And we're social beings. And if yeah. we don't have that social engagement, right. we all will experience some challenges, mm-hmm. whether it be cognitively, emotionally, spiritually, we all uh, experience it. And I think those who thought that they were far removed from it experienced right. some of it as well. Wow. Okay. So do you think that, um, so why do you think it's hard for caregivers to take care of themselves when they're taking care of their own, you know, of the, of the elderly or, or aging parents? They think it's selfish. They mm. think it's selfish to put themselves before anyone else. And mm-hmm. they feel guilty if they do decide to do it. 
they have not come to the realization yet that if they're not healthy, they can't provide optimal care. Mm -hmm. They don't really see it for those who struggle with it. They don't really see it until they experience a health scare or health crisis, why it's so important. And so we try to put as much information out there as possible. So that way they don't run into that particular situation. We want to try to avoid it as much as possible with information sharing and storytelling. Got it. Um, so over the years, you've been you've been in this in- industry for quite a while. Have you experienced bias in your industry? And how, if you did, how did you handle it? In terms of well, what? being I mean, being uh, let's just say uh, being a woman in an industry where I mean I don't know what the percentages are for women in the healthcare industry, um, but if you're someone who's be who is an advocate for you know for caregiving um and for caregivers have you found that people do not take you seriously because of what you're advocating for um not not necessarily in the healthcare industry okay um and the healthcare industry is just so broad you have the the various types of settings you have hospital settings you have clinical settings you have community settings Mm -hmm. and i think for me early on i did experience challenges not necessarily biases Mm -hmm. i would would say but challenges in me being effective in the hospital and clinical settings because i'm not an md Mm. Um, i'm not a clinical social worker or a clinical psychologist and so when it was time to provide uh, recommendations and suggestions Mm -hmm. and planning for the care of the particular patient or client sometimes my recommendations move to the bottom of the list as opposed to a priority because right. they were prioritizing the medical, the mm. medical model and the medical aspect of what the person's need person needs, okay. they didn't consider the social aspect and, and what they need in terms of overall well-being. Right. And so, in terms of challenges, I could speak to that mm-hmm. early on, but that has definitely shifted, if not made a a, a three sixty, mm-hmm. um, because. We know now, well, we always known, but the the medical industry now knows that what the patient receives in the community Mm -hmm. is just as important as what they see receive in terms of uh, the clinical aspect of their care. I get it. Yeah. Um, Just to share, my mother is actually in a um, in a an assisted living facility and mm. has been diagnosed with some dementia. So it's been hard for her um, because, you know, especially during the pandemic, she couldn't understand why we couldn't be mm. around her. Um, mm-hmm. And she's she's definitely got a lot of support there. Um, and I also don't live around the corner anymore. So it's been hard for her. I have two sisters, so they actually rotate in seeing her. And I call her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, when you were talking about the social aspect, definitely I could see, like, how she was so hungry for that. And she's still hungry mm-hmm. for it, you know, because she doesn't realize that today is not the same day as yesterday. <laughs> you right. Know? Um, but it's it's really, I, I love that she has that community that ha- that's around her. 
not just yeah. my family, but the community that's, that where she's living at, because they do provide a lot of social interaction now. Oh, and, and they really um, make sure that the um, she, she resists. <laughs> she, of course, resists a lot of it. But that, for the most <laughs> part, do. yeah. For the most part, she she kind of yeah. accepts it, and she does, you know. But she's so funny. She's so funny because sometimes she'll lie to me, or she'll say, "No, I didn't do that." I'm like, um, "But yeah, you did." I was like, "I did." Yeah. I was like, "Yes, you did." You know, so. I want you to know that she's she's engaging with her new community. Yes, yes, and it's it's really cool to see, you know, because we were worried because she was living with my dad until he passed away, and then she lived in the same apartment building. In the same apartment for probably another five years until until we finally said no, this isn't gonna work anymore. You know, because mm-hmm. she was getting older and so you know. But I'm so glad that they have the services, and I'm glad that you're providing the kind of materials and resources that you know these communities need. You know, these people mm-hmm. need. Um, so, okay. So, who would you credit? Oh, um. Well, who would you credit for where you are now? Oh. God and myself. Mm, <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I just really cannot. I can't identify anybody, mm. any one person that I would credit uh, for where I am now. I mean, really, it's, it's a faith walk. It's a faith walk. It's a faith journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's all about what are you doing to advance God's kingdom? You know, look at your life and when you get up every day and you do what it is that you do, how are you making a positive impact to better someone else's life? And, and I, you know, I would have to just refer that back to my faith and how I was raised in the rural communities, in the small communities, raised in church. Mm -hmm. It all goes back to that, that core faith and just really trusting that people who are put in your path that you have great energy with that, you know, you can learn from every experience. And I don't care what I've done over my years, Mm -hmm. every experience has been a learning experience. So it has been a lot of people who's played a a role, a significant role, even if it's a small role, Mm -hmm. even a significant role in my journey that I'm still on Mm -hmm. nowhere close to being done. It's because it's so much work to, to do. And so I, at the end of the day, it's just me being faithful and listening to to the path God has me on. I love it. So moving forward, is there something else you haven't yet done that you would like to try or do? I think one day I will probably run for an elected position. Oh. That will probably be my... I think that that would be my swan song. I, I'm, I would assume that's what I say, but I don't know what God has for. <laughs> that's what I say, but oh, that's definitely awesome. in a position to really affect even more change than than what I'm affecting now. I love it. Um, so, what are your goals for the community you're involved in? Um, I would. Overall, I would, ha- I would have to say just to have a healthier community, 
reducing the health disparities that we see across the country, mm. ensuring that food deserts are a thing of the past, ensuring that people have access to healthy food items because that's where it starts, yeah. ensuring that their communities are safe where they can have active engagement and exercise and movement in a safe manner because it, it all boils down to our lifestyle. Um, ensuring people have clean water mm. to ingest and to bathe, just the basics yeah. of quality of life. Um, mm. and, uh, and unfortunately, in America, we still that's still an ongoing challenge in which it shouldn't be. Right? You know, it's it's really it's really strange, but it's also shocking that we are still going through all of these things that really shouldn't be going. But you know, we have a lot of work to do still. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, mm-hmm. So if anyone wanted to know more about you and your work, um, how would they go about it? Um, they can visit my website, and that's www.drmacysmith.com. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Macy P. Smith and on Instagram at Dr. Macy P. and LinkedIn. So they can visit me on social media or reach out to me from my website. Awesome. Okay. If you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would it be? Probably pay more attention in class. <laughs> uh, I would, I, seriously, I would have paid better attention and been more, uh, just a little bit more serious about some of the math classes because I, I operate my own business now Mm -hmm. and it is very challenging uh, when it comes to best business practices. I would have taken more business classes in college, at least one of them. Mm. Um, Because I just didn't think that I would ever own my own business because I was a licensed social worker, Mm -hmm. but not really making that connection between any really field of study and owning your own business. So I definitely would have added business classes and paid more attention in math. Mm. Okay. So if you could go back in time, that's my last question. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Hmm. Uh, I would say um, enjoy the journey. Enjoy Mm. the journey. And from the the beginning, from my very first job in a salad bar at Shoney's, to enjoy the journey and take notes along the way of the successes of the challenges and how challenges were overcome hmm. and being able to appreciate the life lessons in each path. I love that. And I might actually start that. I like to, you know, it's like, I was like, I never thought about taking always, notes. you know, we're so busy yeah. you know, looking toward the future. You don't really take stock in what's happening now. And, you know, right. when you write it down and right. you journal about it, you can yeah. always refer back to how you were feeling mm-hmm. that day, how you dealt with certain situations, because they're going to reoccur. Yeah, for uh, sure. You want to either do the same thing or not do the same thing. But sometimes we just forget because we, we're focusing on the future and not really paying attention and being present yeah. in the present. I love that. Wow. Well, Dr. Macy, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your stories and your life with me and my listeners. Um, I so appreciate what you're doing with the community and especially the for the elderly and, and, and the aging parents, aging families. Um, but, you know, 
can please yeah, I wish you continued success with your with synergy and everything else that you want to do in the future. And if you do run for election, that would be really interesting. That would be amazing. It would be. Yeah. It would be interesting. And thank you so much for uh, the invitation uh, to share with your listeners. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you. Well, and with that, have a great day and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Dr. Macy P. Smith on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.